0: Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to my virtual cool kids table. I've been doing this podcast five and a half years. I've had the opportunity to interview over 500 entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, really anybody with an entrepreneurial spirit who's carving their own way in the world. And I know that a lot of people who listen to the show, that's what they want to do. Some of them have already started their business. Some have a side hustle. Some are still trying to figure out where do I go from here? And of course, The world has been turned upside down and uh, all bets are off lately. So if you have that entrepreneurial drive, uh, it might be coming sooner than you think. I don't mean to be a naysayer, but I started my career 11 years ago, working for myself after being laid off during the great recession. And uh, while it was hard and it's not what I had asked for, the flip side of it is looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So as I look at what's going on in our world right now, at least from the side of the economy, yeah, it's a little scary, But uh, I've I've got my big boy shoes on and I'm moving forward because opportunities will come out of this for all of us. So today I have a guest who is somebody who is from my hometown of Austin, Texas. I don't really know him, but he probably has one of the largest radio buys of all local businesses in Central Texas. And there's not a person who lives within 100 miles of Austin who doesn't know the words, Hey, Radiant Man. Uh, Brad Casebeer is the co-owner, along with his wife, Sarah, of Radiant Plumbing and Air Conditioning. And they do a great job of marketing. I have to, we're going to talk a little bit about how you be an A-level marketer. If you're from this area, you know that they have the goofiest radio commercials uh, ever recorded. And yet... Every time I see them, there's more trucks on the road, so they're doing something right. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about, as a business owner, how do you navigate the problems of today's world? So, Brad Casebeer, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. No, I'm glad to have you. Uh, so, can you tell us a little bit about your company? I don't read the the, the fancy bios that PR people send. So, you tell us about uh, a little bit about your background and how you started Radiant. Okay,
1: so uh, I'm a second generation plumber. I worked for my dad growing up, and and uh, jumped in the trenches literally at 13 years old, and got my journeyman's license when I was 17. Got my master's license when I was 20, and at 23 years old, um, I just kind of modeled my dad's business and and launched my own thing. Got a couple customers. We were doing new construction, and um, this is the typical business paradigm. You start hiring a couple people. You think it's going to all work out and you make less and less money <laughs> and somewhere in there you have to learn business. And so uh, that's when my wife jumped on board and she was an RN and she, she ditched that and said, let's build our own thing. And she got uh, business coaches, which I would highly recommend everyone do. And we got into some groups, uh, better practices groups and we started learning business. Um, so that um, that that's how it all really began. We shifted into service as a uh, supplemental thing to construction, and over time, service became the only thing we do: home residential uh, service for air conditioning, plumbing, and drain cleaning. Um, and it's uh, it's just been extraordinary. So we started with zero dollars in the shovel, and uh, pre coronavirus, we were on track to do something like. Forty million this year, hmm. so we don't we don't know what, <laughs> what's going to happen now. But it's uh, yeah. So, so like I would years.
0: assume forty million dollars for a local plumbing and air conditioning company is a big number if we were to look at the cross section of everybody in the HVAC world.
1: Um, I, I think so. We don't pay much attention to the Austin market. I, I just like we just play our game um, in, in nationally. Uh, it is pretty sizable. There there's companies you know four or five times bigger than us in in most of the major cities. So we're not you know unique in the nation i think we are running a pretty sizable operation for austin though
0: so let's back up to when your wife joined the business i i've heard your story before and i I find it actually somewhat interesting that you know you have your own plumbing business and you know when i say struggling along i don't mean in a bad way but you're you're bumping along your wife has this secure job as an rn which i assume comes with a nice income and some benefits and you say you know what Let's pull together as a team and see if we can't grow this thing. What was involved in that decision? Because I would think salary and benefits, you're doing enough. You're doing enough, honey. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it was our our careers were
1: conflicting so much. That was a crisis is because as I got more in demand as the owner of my business, I needed to be certain places at certain times. And I had to have to work late. We have kids. Somebody's got to take care of the kids. And, and there just began to be so much career conflict between us. But what she really felt, this is her decision totally. She was like, you know, I'm putting in all this effort and it's for something that's not mine. And I love the idea that we can really own this. And, and I love the fact that the decisions I make um, come to me. If I do something amazing, it, it, it ends up servicing me, not just going away into this big machine.
0: So what do you think then uh after she joined how long did it take till you started to see that hockey stick of growth
1: um years I mean it it was a really slow start I mean it's such a grind learning business and and taking taking in everything we had to take in and man just uh we still are educating ourselves now uh the 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 growth incline is pretty steep at this point that's 20 years now I don't know exactly what um you know, when, when it really started to take up, I think it took three or four years to get any momentum at all. And then what really the the big game changer for us was getting singly focused on service that, that changed everything. The minute we dropped construction and all we had to look at was service. And both of our energies were fully dedicated towards that. It was like a rocket ship. And I don't, I think we flatlined one year in the last 15 years in growth. Every, every other year has been a minimum of 20% growth. Last year we grew 60%. Wow. Um in the previous year it was thirty five um, and we' were on track to literally double this year so
0: so I heard you mention that one of the things you and your your wife did was you learned about business. Tell us a little bit more about what that meant and why it's so important for an entrepreneur to really learn about business it's
1: <laughs> your skills are irrelevant <laughs> they are meaningless uh, what 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 track craft you have has no no bearing in business. So marketing, um, learning marketing, learning sales, uh, consuming leadership uh, books, um, developing an identity around being a leader and being a business person is, is enormous. You literally have to transform who you are into something else. And that's the most painful part of the process is, is you can't be the way you were and become the thing that that I'm discussing right now, like that, that me, uh, five years ago couldn't run this company today in this crisis. I I continually seeking coaching. I'm taking classes. I'm going to events. I'm reading books, like constantly absorbing books. And, and I I get coaches that challenge me really hard. Like they'll get into dialogues that I've had and, and call me out on where I'm not, you know, I really could have approached this better as a leader and, um, you know, just constantly trying to groom myself into the best possible leader I can be.
0: So now that you've been doing this for over 20 years, side by side with your wife, what do you guys love about the lifestyle of being entrepreneurs? Um, you know,
1: she and I both love the game. I mean, we really do. It's it's high risks, high risk. Uh, it's it's very adventurous. It's very, um, it's an adrenaline rush. And to be quite honest with you, Um, this coronavirus deal, she and I have never been more alive or alert or on point than we are right now. I mean, we were, we were both kind of forged in crisis as kids. Um, And it's, it's very intuitive for us to to step in and dig deeper in times like this. So I, 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 I don't know, there's something really cool about, you know, the shared experience too. Now I'm going to tell you, there's more, um, painful, arduous growth working with your spouse than you could ever possibly imagine. I actually have a book written on the topic and we can't
0: agree on launching the book.
1: So it just sits.
0: <laughs> that's great. So, so let me see if I have this, if I understand this. So you guys have written a book on how to work with your spouse and yet you can't get to the point working together where you agree on releasing the book. That's that's sort of an interesting uh, metaphor for working with your spouse unto itself.
1: It is. It's extraordinary. And it's so personal. And we're both connected. So any decision I make, she, I'm a representation of her. And if she makes a representation, she's a representation of me. And that that's personal. And so trying to, the, the biggest thing I would say about working with your spouse is really giving that person, being very clear on your role. Like if I'm in charge of marketing, I'm in charge of marketing. I'll hear your opinion, but I'm going to make the final call. And if she's in charge of finance, she's in charge of finance and I may challenge some things, but at the end of the day, those people are her people. And we don't, we really try very hard to not um, intervene in or or take, um, let people come to us with their issues. It's, it's, and I'm telling you, that is really challenging to develop that. You've got to really be committed to the processes. And again, I mean, it is not a mom and pop anymore. We have, you know, 123 employees and, as structures and systems and processes out the yin yang, and it's like, I mean, it's a complex. Um, so we have to run this thing like a real business.
0: So, I do want to ask you some questions about leadership, but first, I do want to talk about marketing because, as I said in the introduction, anybody who lives within 100 miles of Austin, the whole time they're listening to you, they're thinking, Oh, Brad. Literally, (laughs) So you guys have you guys have put yourselves into your commercials. I don't know how long ago you started doing that. Uh, You guys have put yourself into your commercials and it's very self-deprecating. She comes off as the level headed smart one and you come off as the guy throwing turkeys out of the helicopter. I had no I had no way of knowing turkeys couldn't fly kind of guy. So let's go back and talk about marketing because I would put you up at the top tier locally of companies who've marketed very well.
1: Yeah. So I, it, the, the, again, I, I think whenever you start a business, I think for number one, you've got to learn sales. You have to, you have to generate revenue, start there, become a master of that. And it's sister, very close sister is marketing. It's the same thing. It's a sale for a phone call or whatever. But what, what's, um, what we really believe in foundationally with marketing is that we're, nobody cares about to- toilets and water heaters and air conditioning. Who wants it's boring. Nobody wants to hear that. So since nobody, I don't even want to hear it. I'm bored with it. And so what I can do though, is I can, I can entertain you and it's brought to you by radiant plumbing and air conditioning. And then the moment when you need, when your thing finally breaks, um, hopefully you liked it and you have a warm feeling about us when you get on Google and you say plumbing, uh, repair Austin and that name cops up. Hopefully there's a good feeling there when you see that and then you respond to it. Now, once you're on our website, it's straight business. We don't joke there. It's a, uh, it's um, you, you enter a new relationship with us at that point from the minute we're doing business, but on TV and on the radio, it's uh, it's just comedy. And uh, we just want to make a relationship with Austin. That's, that's the goal.
0: So I have heard that some people when they meet you or Sarah, they're surprised that it's you guys actually in the commercials because people think maybe you've hired, you know, voiceover people to do it. How long ago did you start doing your own commercials?
1: Um, well, the, from the very beginning, that's, that's the only way we've ever done it. I think 12 years now, at least we've been um, pumping that out. And I think TV, what, we went to TV a year, year and a half ago, and that that's really changed the, I mean, the it's clearly us and like we're us and there's no, there's no getting around who we are now. So I think that identity of this mystery couple or voiceover people is gone now. That's, uh,
0: and it's really kind of awkward to go to the grocery store anymore. (laughs) As you, as you're in the frozen food, somebody yells, Hey, radiant man. It's yeah. Yeah. It happens a bit. So what has been from the, the sort of goofy marketing stuff that you do? What's been the highlight? What's the thing that stands out?
1: Man, I, my all time favorite is we did a Star Wars ripoff commercial. Um, and this is a really funny one because I wanted to do the last Star Wars is coming. It's like, we should do some spoof on that. And it's always dodgy when you're spoofing a real thing for for copyright. And that's always questionable. And so how are we going to do it? And I was into the costumes and Sarah's like, it's not happening. I'm not, I refuse. And so she says, uh, she said, the only way I'll do this is if I take the princess Leia muffs and throw them on the ground. And I was like, fine, if that's all it takes. And so that bit of scripting was hers. I probably write, you know, 80% of it. And, uh, you know, then the rest of it's collaboration, things like that. But that, that, that she said yes, if, and I was like, we'll write it around that. And that's (laughs) probably our best piece of work of all time is the, uh, the Star Wars commercial. It's a, it's a really fun one.
0: Has there ever been one that's backfired in any way?
1: Uh, yes, yes. Um, and uh, just on the start, one thing about our ads is um, any any picture you see is an employee and any person in our ad is an employee. Everybody, every actor in our ad is an employee, which is really fun for the team as well. We have pictures on the side of our trucks and they're all, they're all employees at our company, which is really cool. But yeah, speaking to backfiring, um, we've had a couple. One was really sad, as you mentioned, a hot air balloon ad, I think, or maybe we, we did a hot air balloon ad and um, completely unrelated, and the timing was terrible, and it got launched um, quite accidentally right around a big, hotter balloon accident. Oh, no. And it was, like, so unbelievable. I mean, it was, a, we don't want to
0: <laughs> Right, you weren't making fun of it. The, the commercial was filmed no. weeks before the balloon accident, right?
1: Oh, it was terrible. Like, we felt so bad that that synced up the way it did. It was unbelievable, but we had a few people really upset at us on that, and it was just, it was just cosmically bad timing that that all threw came together at the same time. Things like that are going to happen that you might be joking about something that, you know, in the scheme of history, uh, just doesn't work today, you know, and that was one of those moments. But, you know, in the end, it's just a couple people were upset and we pulled it as fast as we could. Sure, sure.
0: So, I want to talk a little bit about leadership because you've made yourself a student of it and you now have, you know, over 100 employees and the reputation is because we've actually had you out to my house, uh, really? not you, but one of your employees. Oh. They like oh. working there because I ask people a lot of questions when they come into the house, especially if it's a company I've heard of. Uh, and your employees like working there. But as you said, you started off as the son of a plumber, you know, started a simple, you know, local business. Where where did you gather your leadership knowledge? Where did you get your education and why is that important?
1: You know, um, man, that's a big question. Um, I've, I've taken more courses and, and, uh, been to more, I, I did wake up warrior in California where you go out on the beach and get punched in the face and thrown in the ocean at night and freeze to death. And I've done Tony Robbins events, business mastery, leadership mastery on and on and on better practices groups. We do. Um, and one thing that Sarah and I, I think where we really excel is, is implementation. Um, So, so two things, Sarah, I was too, too proud to hire coaches, all the coaches she started hiring. I was the resistor. I was the guy that was like, who's this guy telling us what to do? And I eventually, I, I, I woke up and realized that if we lean into the discomfort of being wrong and uh, getting coaching and and there's more out there than what, what you were born with potentially that you could become, then the whole world opens (laughs) up to you.
0: I talked, to a, I talked to a sales manager the other day, and uh, he found out what I do for a living, and the way I make my living is I'm a professional speaker and trainer. I go into companies and large association events, and I speak, and, and he was talking to me about possibly talking to his team, and I asked him, do you bring people in? And he goes, let me tell you a story. I used to never bring in an outside trainer into my sales meetings, because my theory was they don't know my industry, uh, they're just cliffing things off, Uh, they don't know my team. And he goes, and then the CEO brought someone in and he goes, and I hated the guy. I thought Mm -hmm. it was a waste of time and money. And my team got so excited. He goes, it was just motivation. It was just, you know, stuff. He goes, but for the next two months, my people were on fire. And he goes, so now, like three times a year, I bring people in. He goes, because it doesn't matter what I like. It matters what resonates with my team. And they liked hearing from the outside. So I get your point about originally not wanting the coach and then going, oh, well, this is good
1: that's that, This is the this is the problem i think with most of us as leaders is we um, our, our egos are just so in the way of development and we, we don't we're not willing to to be wrong to let go to experience change and so just really leaning into the possibility that you may not have it all figured out and then i'm going to tell you man that translates down through your leadership team if you if you can be vulnerable as a leader to being wrong and you can convey that this this position of openness and willingness to be coached if you can demonstrate that to your team then you get a whole different level of cooperation with your leadership team it's extraordinary
0: i think think that's a great very clear piece of advice which leads me into my next question so if someone's listening to this and maybe they've started their business but now it's time to scale or maybe they want to go start something what advice do you have for someone who is earlier on that entrepreneurial journey what do they need to do
1: Man, I would start with a coach. I would.
0: I wouldn't wait until
1: you're in crisis. I would. I would absolutely find a mentor or a coach or somebody who's been there uh, ahead of you, um, and and then listen to them. Implement the things they're saying. And and I, I would read. I would consume a sales or a marketing book, uh, some content every day, and get disciplined about <laughs> about educating yourself every single day. Just block. I, I do it on my commute. I listen to. Uh, something educating myself every way, every day going to work in the morning. So it's just part of my discipline to, uh, continue to pump content into my brain to, to grow, to continue to
0: grow. So part of that advice was to read it, to learn it, to get a coach and then to implement it. Now we could gloss over that earlier. You had said that you and Sarah were both very good at implementation. I would have to say most people out here aren't. How do you get good at implementing the ideas? Uh, you get, you know, I, you know, I don't know, I, I don't
1: know if it's instinctual or what it is, but we're, you just got to be brave and you got to just take action. And, and there's times, so like the crisis, the uh, COVID crisis comes, and uh, two co- two two employees were telling me, "Man, I think we should be worried about this." And I said, like, "Okay, I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying it, but I'll take a look." And in 24 hours, I read every, I studied for, I got up the next morning and I called an emergency meeting and it's like, "We're going virtual tomorrow." <laughs> you know, and and what, what issues do you see with that? And we just started directing. I mean, you just have to be, um, if if you're going to be successful, you've got to be nimble and agile and willing to make decisions and not just pawn it off, but stand in there with your people and solve the problems. And so, you know, we're, we're uh, literally today, um, we're just out of a meeting where I'm I'm pushing to do virtual um, uh, service calls to where we literally are on a, on on FaceTime with the customer and they're walking us through the house and showing us what's going on. And we could potentially diagnose and do the entire call um, without going in the home. And then once we've determined and the sales handled and all that's done, the customer could vacate the area and we could go in and do the work. And um, I mean, we're, we're reinventing how we're doing business now as it goes. And it's like, my and again, stress stresses my team out. Change is hard. I kind of love
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> most people don't. Right. No, no, most people don't. So, you know, another question is, is that a lot of people, and we talked about this before, about people's egos getting in the way and plus just the way sort of people do business. I find that one of the smartest things you can do is get around other people. It doesn't have to be your industry. You talked about being involved in entrepreneur type groups. Uh, you used a different term than I had used, but sort of peer groups. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a real big believer since the COVID crisis began in earnest, the, the, the speaking and meetings world got hit early because two weeks before the rest of us were told to stay home, all of our events got canceled. Events started to cancel back in late February and early March. And so I, I had a two week jump in the fact that, oh, my life is, is somewhat different. So when it really hit everybody, I had sort of gotten through the sitting in the corner crying stage that existed for the first two weeks. So starting three weeks ago at the time we're recording this, probably five weeks from the time it airs. I made a promise that I was gonna to talk to someone smart every day. And sometimes it's brainstorming, sometimes I'm trying to help them, they're trying to help me, sometimes they're just way smarter than me, I'm just asking for help. But every day, at least one person, and the final question I ask them is, what do I need to do for my business? And I've had answers from close it down and go get a job, to you know some answers that are totally undoable because they don't understand what I do, To a few things that have really changed and actually led to me getting some work and some other stuff. So, uh, I think people are the answer. I think you got to choose people. You got to be around smart people. You got to ask questions. So, let's talk about this networking piece. How important for an entrepreneur is it to get around other people, whether it's in their industry or outside, who can give advice?
1: I think it's absolutely paramount
0: particularly for beginners I think there's two stages
1: I think there's uh, the the unawakened um, kind of surviving bottom dwellers I It's really rude but I'm just gonna say that if you're on your own and you're not you're not stepping into the knowledge that is you're gonna really struggle you're gonna you're gonna have real challenges just getting up to par and then and then there's the networking group people and what I've found there, is that, I mean, you're going to be successful and you're going to get best practices and you'll get best practices results. Now, if you want to become extraordinary, you got to start breaking the rules. And uh, and, and that's absolutely next level though. It, it, what a lot of people want to do is be bottom dwellers and start breaking the rules. <laughs> but I think you must learn the rules before you can start breaking them. If you really want to do it, be successful and, and, and really blow the roof off is learn how everybody solved it. And then add your flavor and flair to it and start stepping outside of that group and testing your own things and be brave and, and try new things. This, the stuff we're doing with marketing, every all of my advisors told me uh, we were insane. Um, and, and we've blown away their results. So you have to be brave enough to test your own things, but it needs to come from a place of knowledge.
0: So that's really interesting because we live in a world where everybody wants results now and they don't want to put in the time you know to to do the work to learn to get the basic knowledge they just want to go out so they buy a course on how to you know be successful as whatever without having that basic knowledge and and I love your example about you got to know the rules before you could break them and and I teach people that that Picasso was actually a celebrated artist in the world of painting like landscapes and realistic things in fact when I was at the the Picasso museum in Malaga Spain where he was raised The first room is all like pictures of scenery that look like poster. I mean, they look like photographs and they're like, no, these are Picasso's paintings. And you're like, well, wait, there's no three eyes and six boobs. I don't understand what's going on. Well, it's because he was a celebrated painter of realistic art. And then he threw out the rules and broke the rules and went his own way. It wasn't he just started showing up, drawing all these crazy pictures
1: yeah those exceptions exist and they're so celebrated that it's it's it creates a lot of delusion unfortunately uh, you know i i got to see the guy that it created venmo speak and I, I mean that guy i don't know man i it's it's amazing he could make it to the the room honestly i was he was so unimpressive and it's like all right so you had a good idea and you made a billion dollars like that. That's not that's not real life. Re- the the real world is is hard work and discipline, focus and and, um, and just grinding it out. That's that's the reality of business.
0: So Brad, I've got a couple more questions for you, but first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment training and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience and interviewing really cool people like Brad Casebeer. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Brad, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in business right now?
1: Hmm. I think, um, you know, I, I think the coolest thing we're doing is we're we're recruiting. Man, it's so weird with the crisis. I'm confused. There's so much going on. I think, I think I'll go this way with it, is we're actually trying to solve the national crisis right now in, in our spare time is we're, uh, because of air conditioning has these technologies for air purification using UV light, uh, hydrogen generating, ozone ozone creation machinery, things like that that our our AC side of the business is very familiar with. We're we're working on building some devices for our community for the frontline people to be able to utilize for uh, making themselves safer. And, And just networking uh, out to just let people know that these things are possible because the, the medical communities right now are just, they're getting issued one mask for per week. Like that's it. And it's just, it's, it's a criminal uh, how poorly uh, people are, you know, covered in this crisis just because of the, you know, the way it came on us and, and there are solutions for sterilization. So your, your very precious N95 mask can be sterilized and reused over and over. And so we're working with a local fire department just trying to help out every way we can, to help our first responders find a way to to solve these urgent issues of today.
0: No, I think that's cool. I think it's amazing how many people are looking for ways to do things. I have a friend who's a professor at a research university, and they've changed their manufacturing classrooms into actually manufacturing uh, ventilators. And they've figured out how to do it and how, you know, how to be able to turn those spaces that are used for education into actual manufacturing spaces. And, you know, it's like he, he said, he goes, you know, who would have known that this is what I'd be doing right now? But you know, I think it's great people who have the capability to step up that, that are, I think that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it, this is one of those times I think it, it just, in just talking about leadership and it, it, I, who we are is really coming to bear right now as, as, as people, as individuals. And it's like it, a lot of the leaders I know are, are, you know, they weren't leaders at all. They were, they, they had money and that doesn't equal leadership. And, and those guys, they're scared, they're not coming out of their rooms, they're not talking to their employees, they're hiding information, they're just holding, hoping that, uh, you know, this will go away. And, and the leaders have stepped up and have started really taking action. And that's, that's been really interesting to watch. And I think, you know, the biggest crisis that we all have always faced is, is finding the right people. This is the real war. Customers are pretty easy to get, honestly finding the right employee base is um, is the, the more interesting challenge to solve. And and they see you right now. They see what you're interested in. They see if it's the, the money that you're worried about or if it's them that they're worried about. And we all have an opportunity to either uh, build our cultures or really devastate them right now. And that's when I'm in my peer group and talking, that's the kind of stuff I'm, I'm trying to coach the hell out of my, my peers. It's like, you know, you guys running an ad trying to get an air filtration bunch of calls out of this crisis is not the right play either for your market or for your or for your employees. It's just not. That's not. it's not right. It's not so socially responsible even right now. You know, it's uh, it's really interesting times.
0: So you know, I booked you to come do this interview a couple weeks back, and so obviously every time that uh, you've showed up on the air, I've been paying a little bit more attention. And your TV commercials this week are very different than the Brad and Sarah TV commercials of the last 12 years and and radio commercials. Uh, And it really ties in to what you're talking about. It's about keeping your people safe. It's about making sure that that everyone out there is doing their part. So let's talk really quick about that shift. And all of a sudden, it's not silly Brad and Sarah. Oh, Brad, it's a commercial with the two of you standing there talking about your business and your community. Uh, Let's talk about that because that is leadership.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. I, um, it was a really interesting decision to make and it, it was, um, man, uh, we're faced with so many hard, humongous decisions right now. It's at a pace I've never experienced in my career. It's uh, been exhausting, but that one really felt right. And uh, again, I had, um, advisors telling me not to do this ad, you know, that, that we shouldn't go serious. People want to be entertained when times are hard. And it's like, no, I'm going to trust my gut on this one. And, what we got the feedback we got is just a very straight ad saying how seriously we're taking this and we're taking, you know, we're protecting our techs and we're going to run your, you, your house is flooding, your air conditioning's out. You can't uh, flush any toilets. This is a crisis. Like we are essential workers and we have to work and we have to protect our staff and we're going to do it in a way that protects you. And we're taking this really seriously. And I, you know, what we found was that, um, I, I think what actually helped flatten the curve to some degree because even crazy Brad and Sarah just put a time out on uh, you know being silly to say, hold on, this is serious and we need to behave differently right now. And and so I, I feel like I feel like it did help a little bit in the community just to, to see us in a different light. Who, you know, the real us.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely thought it was a stance of leadership when I saw the commercial. And like I said, I was I was tuned into it more because I thought, oh, I'm gonna have him on my podcast. But I was tuned into it, and you know, it was it was a different flavor on purpose. But I thought that it was the right thing to do, I, and I do find it interesting. You know, your advisors told you don't go do these silly commercials. Poof, forty million dollar company. Uh, your advisors are like, oh, don't go out and do a serious message. People want to be entertained. Poof, it's a it's a message of leadership. Um, how important is it, Brad, to you and Sarah to follow your gut as entrepreneurs?
1: Man, uh, it's, it's what we have to do again. There's, there's, uh, there's, there's rules for a reason. There's, there's standards that people created, and you've got to, you've got to really know that, um, you gotta be willing to accept the consequences, I guess, you know, and sometimes the stakes are very high. Uh, and and Sarah and I've disagreed sometimes on some really big stances. And, um, for the most, I, 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 for the most part, we uh, when when somebody's really committed and they know this is the right path, will yield to the other one, and somehow or another, it always works out. It's been pretty extraordinary.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's what leadership is. You don't always have to be right; you just have yeah. to lead. Yeah, you yeah, said something right. else in interesting before that I wrote down because I think I'm going to sell T-shirts that say this. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, it was. Money doesn't equal leadership. And I think our society has really gotten to this spot where it's like, you know, we we live in our Kardashian world, right? And I'm not picking on them as individuals, but as a as icons. You know, we live in this world where people want easy fame and they think money equals leadership. And in reality, when I look at the people who I choose to follow, I don't care how rich they are. I care that they're being leaders. So, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, it, we've gotten real delusional, I think, societally, but then just, just to bring it really close to home, what, you know, in my own company, um, you know, we've got goals and budgets and we've got all these, uh, we have daily huddle and it's like a hundred and literally 140 plus lines of data that we look at from yesterday, every single day at 10 a.m. as a leadership team. I mean, we are we like, we know, Exactly where we're at, minute by minute, and um, we've we've suspended that. It's a it's a daily uh, crisis management huddle where we're talking mostly talking about safety, you know. And it's like the, whatever happens with the numbers are going to be the numbers. Really, business results are the side effect now, not the focus. And we're we're focused on very first getting inside, literally just getting inside of our employees' heads and experiencing life from their perspective. Okay. I got to go out. The office staff is is all home and I got to go into people's homes and expose myself to fix, you know, flooding homes or uh, air conditioning is not working. Like I got I'm I got to I got to really connect empathetically with these guys and and really understand their world and start from there. Everything's built from that moment and make sure we take care of them because they're the most important thing right now. So it's that to me that's um that's what I'm talking. That's leadership. It's not a, the money's not the thing, the, the taking care of your family taking care of your team. That's, that's what people need to be focused on right now. And you and I'm going to tell you my team loves us right now. They know they, and I we get letters of encouragement. Like you can't believe because they know that we're not coming from a, I'm going to quote unquote, take care of my employees first. But what I'm really doing is angling to take care of my business. We're really truly just employee focused right now.
0: I mean I, I I told one of my clients who wanted me to do something but didn't have a budget and I said, It's about the mission, not the money. And she was like, Oh God, thank you for saying that and we ended up coming up with a fair, you know, a fair amount for me to do a webinar for, yeah. you know, their association. And it's not a big money, it's not gonna pay my mortgage for months, but uh, you know, I've I've done a lot for this group and you know, I kind of feel like I'm part of their team. So let's let's just get it done. So I totally relate to, to everything that you're saying. So Brad, to wrap this up, I always ask people who come on the show, last couple of questions, I always ask people, who is it that you admire in the world of entrepreneurship? So when you look out there, who do you say she or he, that's who's doing cool things?
1: Hmm. I think, um, man, that's mm-hmm. a big list. I really, uh, I really love... Um, I, am going to say Keith Cunningham is, is probably my hero. Um, he is, if you've read the rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki, he was the proverbial rich dad that advised Robert Kiyosaki. And, and this man is, um, he's a business genius. Uh, he, he thinks I'm crazy with marketing. Uh, he is one of my coaches. Um, and he, I sent him a recent ad and he's like, I, this is why I'm not a marketer because I don't understand what you're doing. Literally. (laughs) that's what the email says. (laughs) Good thing. That's not my business. But, um, yeah, that, that man is a, he's a monster and and having, you know, people like that in your life that can, um, you know, you can look forward to coaching you and it's, it's about business discipline. Uh, you know, are you running a healthy, profitable business? Were you setting back money? three, three months worth of cash reserves in case this crisis occurred. You know, those are the kind of disciplines you, you really have to do. And it's not, it's been optional up to now. You could be a marginal marginally disciplined business owner and paid ages came, you know, I mean, if you were, if you were on a red line, man, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah, there's a bunch of them, but Keith's I'm, I'm a big fan boy.
0: The last question that I always ask people is, "What do you do to give back to the greater good?" Because let's face it, we can make money all day long. We could talk about radiant plumbing and air conditioning all day long about you and Sarah and your goofy commercials. But I think it's more than just making money. I think that if we're fortunate, and, and we're all fortunate, if we get to, to carve our own path in the way in the world, uh, I think we have to find our way to give back to the greater good. So, so what do you guys do? Well,
1: uh, you know, really excited to find this. About a year, year and a half ago, we, we came up with this idea to um, give, we utilize Charity Water, and we link the whole company to it, and every five million of revenue, uh, you can buy a well, we, you, we buy a well. And Charity Water's got a setup that you can own a well, literally, and the one, I mean, this is our well. And they, they like type your name on there, and you got the serial number, and you can even go on the their, their website and find how many gallons it's pumped out, we know the community. And so every $5 million revenue, and then we uh, let the departments choose because there's typically a handful of options. And so we draw a name out of the hat, and it's like mar- uh, the, uh, the the plumbing division gets to choose, and then we have a meeting and discuss the needs, and they get to choose. And so everybody's a little participative in connecting to giving back to the world. So that's, that's probably one of my favorites. That's cool. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. We really enjoyed that. No, I think that's that's very cool. And I love the fact that you tie it to some sort of a revenue goal. That's what we did when I was just part-time speaking at companies or stuff. We came up with the idea that we'd just give a percent to uh, research for craniofacial abnormalities. Our youngest daughter, who is now graduating high school and going off to college, uh, was born with a condition where the bones in her head were fused together, and she had to have her whole skull rebuilt at six months old. And we knew we were fortunate because she was fine. A lot of kids are born with cranial facial abnormalities, cranial facial abnormalities that uh, have a harder go than maybe she did. Although hers wasn't an easy go, but uh, looking back, she's fine now. And so we just started, and now it's over seventy thousand dollars that we've given and that uh, some of my clients have donated to, and. I don't come from a family who had their name on the walls of hospitals. Um, and so we've, we've been able to do that. And I think it's when, when you can tie it to the growth of your business, it really becomes unlimited what you can do.
1: Yeah, it's so important. I it, And I can tell you, man, my, my team really rallies around that. And to be a part of something that's just affecting the world, just, just something bigger than making money. This isn't that making money is not that interesting. <laughs> and people want to be connected to a cause greater than that.
0: So, Brad, any last words for the entrepreneurial community at Cool Things? Entrepreneurs do. Um, yeah, I,
1: b- run your business profitably. Make profit a discipline and put some money aside. Um, don't don't settle for redlining. You just can't. You just can't run a business that way. If if you're if you're redlining, you're doing it wrong. And don't don't stay there. Make make it a focus to to be profitable and put money aside. I can tell you that for today, I, I sleep pretty well because somebody told me that a few years ago and we made it a must and and we're okay. You know, a lot of people aren't right now.
0: So if someone's listening to this and they need to know more about you or about Radiant, how do they find you? Um, on the web at radiantplumbing.com. That's easy. Awesome. Well, Brad, thank you so much for being a guest. And thank you to everybody who tuned in. I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I do this podcast? Uh, If you like the show, go tell a friend. I I used to ask everybody to run over and and review it. And very few people ever did. But everyone I talked to who listens to the show said, oh, I found it because my friend Brad told me about it or whoever. Well, you know what? I'm just going to challenge everybody. Go tell a friend about cool things entrepreneurs do. So we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Brad Casebeer. I know you're thinking, how will you ever find anything, anybody as cool as the Radiant Man? Well, we do it every single week, twice a week, right here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. In the meantime, go on out there. Flex those entrepreneurial muscles. We need you now in this economy more than ever. Make sure that while you're doing it, you're climbing your ladder and that your ladder's against the right wall. Go on out there and try new things. And all along the way,